0: Stephanie Coxon, and I'm Kathy Anderson-Martin, and we are Two Women Influencing Real life. So let's twirl.
1: A word we don't hear about too often, but probably should hear more of, is resiliency. And the definition of resiliency is the capacity to withstand, recover quickly from difficulties, toughness. That's another word we probably should hear more about. But to go on with resiliency, it's the ability to spring back into shape, elasticity. So often, we're trying to pave the way for people to have perfect lives, but that doesn't happen. We should focus more on resiliency. And today on Twirl, we have a guest who personifies resiliency in her life. And we ask her, Lee Grahams, to share about her experiences and where she was and where she's at today. I'm Kathy Anderson-Martin. And I'm Stephanie Coxon. And we are two women influencing real lives. So let's twirl. Lee Grames, welcome to twirl. We are very excited to have you here today and to share your story, um, not only to inspire and motivate others, but maybe um, just to have people, my favorite word is perspective, to put some perspective into the lives of our listeners and uh, maybe the people we know. So welcome. Thank you for having me. Good morning. I love your show and I'm so grateful to be here. Well, thank you for being here, and I guess we'll start right out of the gate. In uh, um, full disclosure, I've known Lee since she was a teenager, and uh, love her, and she's one of the people that inspires me the most. But Lee, why don't we start from the beginning? Share a little bit about your story and um, where you started. Wonderful, well, thank you so much. So. Um... I am 35 years old. I am a
2: woman and I um, I love God. I love my family. I'll give you a little bit of an overview of my bio. Um, I am a wife to my husband, Peter. We've been married. We'll celebrate 12 years this year and I have two daughters. Thank you. Marriage is hard, but it's very worth it. Um, and my oldest daughter is Zoe. She's sick. you You'll hear a little bit more about her later. Today is her birthday. Um, and I okay. have a one year old named Emerson. We call her Emmy. Um, what I do professionally is I actually own a photography business. <clears throat> I spent some time in the corporate world. My background is in communications, but I actually started a photography business in college while I was also building my communication career into that, and we'll touch on that a little bit later. But um, what I want to share with people is that just because you have a hard start doesn't mean that you can't end well and finish well. And I truly believe that we are all created in God's image and we are created with purpose and god can heal and redeem. and so when i think about, you know, recently celebrating valentine's day, the world we live in talks about romance and chocolate and cards. and when i think about love, one of the areas that i've had to really grow in is loving myself. and not self-care like manicures and skincare, but loving my loving my story, the good parts and the bad parts, giving myself grace walking through forgiveness of people that have wronged me and have abused me and some of the trauma I've experienced in my life, because that is the ticket to being healed and being free and then living out your purpose. Um, So I've got a great life. I'm very healthy and stable, but it started really badly. So I'll give you a little bit of an overview. Um, My mom was a talented person, but she struggled with a lot of things. And I was in unplanned pregnancy. When my mom found out she was pregnant with me, she was homeless, an active drug user living in a park in San Francisco. And so it's very much like a lifetime movie, if you think about it. Um, she made the wonderful choice right off the bat to keep me and to not terminate her pregnancy, which I will ever be grateful for. But I was born very sick and a huge statistic. We all know somebody who started that way, and typically their story doesn't end like mine did. And so first year of my life, I was in rehab centers with her, I was in foster care, and the outlook was not good. Um, one of the biggest influences in my life that's helped me overcome and heal is my grandma. Um, her name is Jenny, and she's awesome. I met her when I was eighteen months old. She didn't even know my mom was pregnant because they were estranged at the time. And so my grandma came into my life and brought faith. She brought some t- some stability. But my mom was an active drug user, so we moved a lot. There was a lot of chaos, and there was a lot of drama. Um, Fast forward a little bit. She died when I was six, and that was another tragedy. And my grandma became my legal guardian. We moved physically to leave the town we were in because there was just – it wasn't safe. And we, quote, unquote – started over and i don't know about you and like the our friends that are listening today but we've all moved and tried to escape hard things and it comes with you um but i was six you do you know you do your best which is crazy because my daughter just turned six um but i did my best to try to ignore the trauma and fit in but it never worked so we did not have any money we were on food stamps I would come home, the lights would be off. You know, my grandma worked as hard as she could, but she was overcoming her own shock and trauma, losing her daughter. And I always felt different. I felt unworthy. I was the weird, poor kid that was raised by her grandma. And I always came up short. I always came up short academically. I always came up short socially because there was just so much that was riding on me.
1: Um, now this is so. This is lead. Um. So this is when you're you've lost your grandmother, uh, or, I'm sorry, you lost mom. your mother at age six, right? And you're with your grandmother. So this is the elementary school years, not in California, but move somewhere and start. When you say starting over,
0: yeah. Where did you Where yeah. did you move? Can I ask?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I was born in California. We moved to Arizona a little bit, and then back to California, and then we all ended up in Pennsylvania. So, um, the thing to know about drug addicts is there's very little rationale and my mom had quite, (laughs) she was resilient in her survival skills, but it was just very difficult because it's just complete chaos. Um, so we live with my grandma some, and then we'd move out. Um, but when I was four, we moved in with my grandma full time. And so we were all together for about two years and then, um, when my mom passed away, in some ways, it was really a gift. It was it was truly a chance to, for her to be free. I believe you know um, God just delivered her from all of her all of her demons that she was battling with, and we did have a fresh start. So we moved to one town and um, near Harrisburg, and then when I was nine, we moved to another place, and my grandma's been there for twenty five years. Um, wow. So there so, was
1: a lot when you talk about instability, there was a lot with just the kind of chaos of your mom, but also moving geographically all over the country, really. And just right, yeah. uprooting before you're even six, seven years old.
2: Right. I've I've never had a really solid sense of identity, who I am, um, except for my faith. God has been the constant. Um, you know, and if if anyone If anyone that's listening today, I just, I, I really just want to say, you know, for all that, for all that I've been through, um, I know that God has a
1: plan for me. And did you have that realization when you were young, or is that something that developed as you got older and were a teenager? I mean, I've known you since you were a teenager, I'm proud to say, um, you've always been a person of deep faith, but when did that start from Mm -hmm. the time you were small, even when you were in that chaos?
2: Yeah, there was, there's always been something deep with inside my heart and I really believe my spirit that God has protected me. I mean, I've seen some really tragic, violent X-rated things that nobody should see. And I've always had a fight in me and deep, deep down, I knew that this wasn't, I knew that I was going to overcome my circumstance and I was going to live to tell about it. And I was going to help other people in the process. So a verse that I hold really close to me from the Bible is Romans 5, 35. And it says, uh, we take glory in suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance or resiliency, like you said, perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts. And so the older I got and the harder and more complicated things got, there was always this grit and like tenacity in me too. Um, when I got to high school, I met Kathy um, through a great nonprofit that supported high-risk youth and really was just very self-esteem building.
1: Um, so my, my support uh, I system just wanna, was really... I just want to say um, in nonprofits, we throw the term at-risk youth around at willy-nilly. Um, you kind of define that. So, you know, when we said at-risk youth yeah. and I wrote those grant applications, I could put your picture there, right? And, uh... Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we were... I mean, we were at the poverty level. I've
2: been on free lunch my whole entire life. Um, you know, um, there was definitely some food insecurity, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but really was starting to get a good support system. Um, a couple other things that I just want to mention in kind of rebuilding your life. I started working when I was 15. I knew very clearly that I need to have a stable income if I wanted to get anywhere. And I wanted to not be hungry and not be scared and... <laughs> you know, live in anxiety for the rest of my life. So I started working. I've been working since I was 15. Um, my faith was really important. Morality and standards of ethics were paramount for my grandma. She did the best she could and some things weren't perfect, but she knew that I was going to be a woman of purpose. And if I made stupid choices, it wasn't going to get me out of my trailer park any faster. No offense to people that live in trailer parks, but I lived in one and I can say that, um,
1: <laughs> that no it's okay. It's okay. If you're, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's okay. Um,
2: you know, um, I also knew that I was going to be educated. I needed resources. I needed connections. I needed to have a plan. Nobody was coming to save me. My grandma had rescued me, but there were limitations there. Um, she became my legal guardian in her late fifties. Now she's actually eighty-three. So it was clear that we didn't know how you know how much longevity she had, and there needed to be a place of I needed to take care of myself. I needed to create a plan for the future.
1: So education was really helpful. Lee, quick um, question. Counsel- yeah. Quick question. When you say that, like, I knew I had to get a job. I knew I had to be self-sufficient, get an education. That's the um, thing. You see so many people And today. There's so many. Dependency is a huge issue. And I worked in the nonprofits yeah. for the past few um, years. And two things happen. Either there's this cycle of dependency, meaning, you know, somebody's on food stamps and free lunch and subsidies and government assistance. And it becomes a way of life. And um, another kid, the next generation does it because that's what the previous did. And I've seen that. I mean, I worked at the Salvation Army and we would see sometimes three generations in one household coming in for help. So there's that part. But then there's people like you who said, I don't want to do that. What do you think is the difference or what makes that difference between those people that just kind of, and that's with everything, you know, I'm going to repeat if someone's an alcoholic or your mom was a drug addict, you know, a lot of those kids are drug addicts or abusers or whatever. Uh, And then Mm -hmm. there's the opposite. Like, I don't want to do that. What do you think is the key to make that change? That's a great question. I mean, one in eight
2: children of an addict will become an addict themselves. The statistics are quite high. The, the first thing I would say is having a sense of belonging and identity that's bigger than yourself. And so my relationship with God kept me through because when the world was saying, you're a drug baby, you're an orphan, you're poor, I could say, I am a child of God. I have been created with a purpose, though, you know, the enemy wanted to harm me. God said, that's my kid. She's going to do amazing things for the world. So I had a little bit of fight in me. The other thing I would say is that I... When I started working, it created such a great sense of pride and healthy confidence and self-respect. And it really gave me a vision for the future because I knew that I had resources, I had skills. Um, When I looked at my surroundings, like, you know, I mean, my first car, here's just a reality check for this generation, which I think is funny. My first car we bought from someone's yard. It was $200 and it was like three colors, like Hillbilly Deluxe. Okay. Like, and I went to school with kids. <laughs> parked outside the, the trailer park. park? Parked outside yeah. the trailer. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple miles away. Um, but I parked in high school beside kids that were driving their old Lincoln and Mercedes. Um, you know, and so from an early age, I had to learn that my identity wasn't in my stuff. It definitely wasn't in my address. It had to be in my value of God created me with a purpose, but it had to be in my intellect that I can make a difference. Um, I have skills, I'm savvy. And over time, what I love about, you know, kids can work at 15. You could probably even do pro bono stuff in your preteens. Work ethic doesn't develop overnight. It has to grow little by little by little. And so by the time I got out of high school, I knew I wanted to go to college and I had been working for four years. I had been meeting new people, um, through a number of different nonprofits. And so when I got to college, I was stable enough to get through, which was so important because if we expect an 18 year old to never work, not network, have never volunteered, it's not magically just going to happen. Especially the kids we're seeing statistically, they come from stable homes or well-financed or well-resourced or well-resourced. I'd like to see the stats because some of those kids are the least successful, frankly.
1: What, There's just no hunger. I, There's no drive. What was the first job? I don't even know if I know that. I was a busser at a
2: restaurant. Um, I was eating dinner and they approached me and they said, You look like a really nice girl. Would you like a job? And my grandma's like, Yes, she would. Do you want her to stay? That sounds like,
0: like the white van pulling up and offering the kid candy. <laughs> I mean it was, a re- it was a really safe restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like this doesn't sound yeah. okay, but we'll go yeah, with yeah, it. Yeah. I, I personally um, and I, think
1: I think every kid should work at a restaurant or in retail. It should be like a yes. goal because oh, yeah, when yeah, you do yeah. that you have a whole different perspective. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I made
2: $7. I made $7 an hour and I was like I was so excited but um I bummed rides off these sweet old ladies at church that were retired and then I got, you know, I got my car. Um, you know, I paid for my own cell phone like we just didn't there wasn't any extra. So literally my grandma would say this to me. I can afford Salvation Army and hand-me-downs. If you want clothes from Old Navy or Target, you're gonna have to pay for it. And so I learned very early on the difference between wants and needs. Um, you know, nobody was giving me a phone. Um, I mean, landlines were, I mean, this was 2003. So <laughs> it, was, it was a little bit of a different world. Um, but by the time I got to college, I knew that I really needed to be career focused. Um, I have a degree in communications and um, I had five internships and the cool thing happened. That's where my business started. So I had a camera, I was taking photos of friends and family, and I just started an online blog and I was discovered by one of the largest Christian publishing companies. They're called Thomas Nelson. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. Yes, um, that's a good one. Yep. Yeah, It's, it's a good place to start my now husband i still remember i get this email and he's like no offense but nobody wants to pay you or buy your pictures they're not that good i said thank you we thought it was a scam but it was a real opportunity and i they bought some images for book covers i did a number of book deals i did some interior photos and then they said we need your government id number because we have your check ready i had no government id i was i mean i was in my dorm room i'm a blessed close 21. so i literally print off the paperwork. And I go to an accounting professor at Messiah. I I dropped his class, which is (laughs) funny. And I said, I need you to help me start a business. And he's like, why? I said, because I'm going to be a photographer. He's like, who? And so I, I showed him everything. And he literally, he helped me register my first business, um, my first photography company. And I did that book deal and I, um, hired a consultant. I just, I really needed mentorship and
1: guidance. Let me, and that's the other let thing. Play, let me interrupt you mm-hmm. one quick thing before um you mentioned starting this side gig, but you had visions of doing other things, right? Uh being in the media or news anchor or something like that, well, correct? Clearly, she got a degree in communications. Yeah, because I want yeah. to back that because I wanted <laughs> yeah, her to share right. that of knowing um of other ideas versus you weren't you yeah. thinking I'm gonna do this full time. You had visions and then just share how that played out.
2: Right. Um, absolutely. Discerning God's will for your life and what your skills and abilities are is a lifelong dance. Um, but I had been doing some public speaking in high school with the nonprofit that I had mentioned before, and people were very complimentary and they said you would be great on TV. And I thought, okay. So um, I was a communication student, and I did some nonprofit internships and in development, and then I did a broadcasting internship, and it is not for me. I like I like video production. I don't like the culture of Um, of the media. I did meet some wonderful people there that were very helpful. Um, But it was it's definitely it's not the Today Show. So, you know, you think every (laughs) news station is the Today Show and you're going to hang out with, you know, Hoda and Jenna. You're not. (laughs) Um, But, um, you know, and so I was I was trying to figure that out. I had met another woman again. So you'll hear me say I met somebody. I met somebody. I met somebody. I'm a raging extrovert. But When you don't have enough resources, go find somebody who does, because there's always somebody that has learned what you need to know and wants to come back and pull you forward. So the sense of community and being connected with other people is a huge key to overcoming hardship and getting more stability. So um, it was actually a woman that Kathy and I both know, and she gave me some insights on how I could be successful in the communication world. So I was working on that. And then this photography
1: thing shows up. And so um i i want to interrupt here for a second because when lee was going to have this um uh, we we laugh about this a lot when she was had this dr- dreams of grandeur in to go on the today show and did her media t- in uh uh internship she came in to visit me and was just going off about how bad it was and it was so hard and it she didn't hurt she was i remember she said i'm stuck it was a su- summer right a summer internship yeah. And um, I sometimes am not most empathetic person. You don't say. I know. That's an understatement. (laughs) Yes. And I sat and listened to her go on and on. And I said, are you done? And she said, yes. I said, you're not stuck. You have a summer internship and you've learned what you don't want to be. And um, stuck is working the second shift, you know, in the plastics company because you have three kids and you're a single mom. And I think I said something to the effect with this, you know, because I'm very kind and empathetic. Pull up your pant big girl pants, get out <laughs> right, there and yeah. you'll find the thing you want <clears throat> to do. And I say that yeah. because I said that at point and we laugh about that now. Yeah. But she has told me that at points in my life now when I'm like, eh, it's hard. She's like, uh, pull up your big girl pants. So now
0: I like you. You're <laughs> not, not saying it yeah. before, but now I like it. Right. So that right. who, who um, you know goes can yeah. be full circle. Yeah. Which um, you know, and I remember, you know,
2: I and um don't want to name drop, but I was, um, I was mentored by, um, one of the premier anchors in our area and she was very kind to me. And she said, this, this, you are a success. This has been a positive experience because you know, you don't want to go into broadcasting. You know, how many people do we know that have college degrees and they've never used them or they've had higher education masters and they finally get in their field and they go, Oh, it cost me $75,000 to figure it out that I don't like this. So I was grateful that I figured that out my junior year. Um, so actually what I ended up doing professionally, I ended up, um, I was in corporate marketing for a little while and then I transitioned and I was a communication director. I led a communication team at a really large church. So, um, I was a creative director and a project manager and I did that for seven years while I built my business. And so I was grinding. That's the other thing. Like you want to get somewhere and, you know, rebuild your life. It's going to take a lot of hard work. So I worked a 40 plus hour job at um, like my nine to five when I was working as a communication director. And then I built my business on nights and weekends. So if that helps inspire you like in your twenties, it was good. Um, So after college, I got married to my husband, Peter, and we started building our life. And then whenever we started thinking about our family, that's when things got hard again, but, really really redemptive and that's when we definitely needed more resilience so i'm excited to share that with you guys a little bit
1: well that's probably a perfect time to
0: take a break um and we'll be back more uh with lee to hear more about that be sure to make americaoutloud.com your daily stop for all the latest news and happenings we all must do our part to share the stories the articles the podcasts and videos so we can help secure america's future America Out Loud Talk Radio plays on the iHeart Radio network. You can also listen in our media player from any web browser anywhere in the world. We have the best in-class apps available on Apple, Android, and Alexa, where we stream 24-7. And now, you can also hear them on the podcast on those same apps. Asia believes that inside each of us is the potential to feel our very
2: best. Our customers will tell you how our products have made a difference for them. From improving immune health and supporting gut health to reducing the appearance of wrinkles and even improving mind, mood, and energy, make our breakthrough products an essential step in fulfilling your greatest potential. ASEA, we power potential. For exclusive savings, use code OUTLOUD to save 15% off your first order today. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. The
0: buildup of spike Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Who's got time for a nasal invasion messing up your lifestyle? Crush those nasties before they become a problem. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order with the coupon code OUTLOUD, you'll receive 20% off the entire purchase. Go to americoutloud.shop, that's americoutloud.shop, and use coupon code out loud use cofix because it works
2: oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years but our diet and the way we eat has creating an environment in your mouth for bacteria to wreak havoc on your teeth and gums for better oral health get spry dental defense an oral care line designed to combat acid creating bacteria the toothpaste mouthwash mints and gum all contain xylitol a natural ingredient shown to dramatically improve oral health. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural retailers.
0: Well, the year 2024 must be the year of the Patriot, and AmericaOutloud.news will equip you with all the information you need to give new meaning to the words Patriot Act for our actions always, ultimately define our words. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all.
1: we're back and happy to continue with your story. Um, you've already shared a lot that I think probably should be shared with
0: every child and young person in America, don't you think, Stephanie? Yeah, I think that um, we are weak, and this is a, a story to show people that you really have to put in effort and kind of go through sometimes in order to get to where you need to be. Absolutely, and I think, you know, that goes to so many things today.
1: I saw a, a newspaper article recently that school districts and, and legislatures are voting to give kids mental health breaks, meaning they can stay home from school to have mental health breaks. That drives me bananas. Um, my dad would have you know, said, go to school, you're, you're mentally fine. Um, and I say that because as Lee shares her story, and, and it's not just Lee, there's so many others and kids who deal with situations that not of their own choosing or thrust into it. And um, I think it diminishes their... Story of grit and perseverance and resiliency. When we say, "Oh no, we need to make everything perfect and wonderful," you know what I mean. And it also Mm -hmm. hurts them because they don't have the opportunity to learn from those things and grow. Yeah. So, so Lee, you you're out of college and um, graduated. Mm -hmm. You did your business thing. You got married to a very um, wonderful young man who you met in college, and now you're going to start a family. And you know, you had a background of a family very different than what you're living today. So what happened next? Mm -hmm. So, um, I
2: wasn't, honestly, I wasn't excited to be a mom because I knew that I really, I, I had to have a stable family. I wasn't going to repeat the past issues and, you know, shortcomings of my own mom and from where I was. And so we really needed to be stable. So the um, big advice is take your time, having kids, take your time, starting your family. So we waited seven years and I'm really glad um, we were 23 and 22, so we grew up together, got our first jobs together, um, you know, and that was really important. When we did think about becoming parents, a really unique and cool thing happened. So I didn't have any inklings to have a baby. You hear know, all the time, "I want to have a baby." I didn't. I wanted to be a mom. I wanted to nurture somebody, and I had this really beautiful vision of: Can I give a woman a future? Could I be a part of giving a woman the chance? that maybe nobody else will give her and maybe that life hasn't even given her. And so that turned us to adoption. Um, I didn't have any fertility issues. We never tried to have kids. We just went straight for it. So if you are thinking about adoption and it's something that people tell you, oh, you should that should be plan B, C, or D, that's not true. You can adopt first, it's great. Um, we did it. So our daughter, is her name is Zoe. She's adopted from India. And one of my favorite parts of her story was um the first time that we had heard about her so we had a caseworker and the way that it worked in our circumstance was that they shared her story with us um the good parts and the bad parts she was very sick and i remember in the story the lady said to me now here's something that you might not be comfortable with and they had told us really terrible things about her health and i thought what else could it be and she said we don't know who she is necessarily we don't know where she comes from she was surrendered to us and it was the coolest thing because Lee, how old was she? She was eight months old. So I was 29 years old, and I thought, I can handle that. I don't know who my dad is. I don't even know his name. On my birth certificate, it literally says withheld. And my mom died with a terrible legacy when I was six. I don't care if nobody knows where my kid came from. I know where she belongs. She belongs with me. And my husband grew up in a beautiful nuclear family, very solid, very stable. So he brings this really great stability to create vision and I can help my daughter heal. And I'm a safe place because even though, you know, she's brown, we're white, she's from India, we're, you know, we've been born and raised here in the States. There is a kindredness. And it was so cool because every time I went to trauma counseling, every time I went to work, every time I did those cruddy internships at the news station, I knew deep down, God is going to use this. There is a purpose. I have to keep going. And that phone call was one of the biggest affirmations to say, this is why I've been working so hard. This is why this moment. So it took about 10 months to bring her home. We brought her home in the summer of 2019. Um, and she's, she's doing incredible. So there's, there's still some health things we're working through. Um, but she is happy and bright. Um, we have her in an incredible private school locally and she's just, she's a huge success. So, um, It's awesome. And then a year ago I had a baby, um, Emerson. And the cool thing was um, i actually got pregnant with her in California for our 10 year anniversary. We took a, almost like a homecoming trip. I needed to reconcile some things in my heart with California. I needed to forgive my mom with some different things. And it was time, it was time to go back. Um, And we brought Emerson home with us. Um, (laughs) And so um, she's healthy and she just turned one. So I'm baby proving my house all over again. Um, you know, which is cool. So
1: yeah. (laughs) No, I just want to put a plug and a few words about adoption. And I know you'll comment on this too, Lee. My two girls are adopted. They're 22 and 23 right now. Um, And uh, I would never change it. And I get so irritated. And I'm just saying this to people when, you know, when you say you're going to adopt, you get the most ridiculous personal questions that people would never ask. Um, and I sometimes would answer mm-hmm. them
0: truthfully and sometimes flippantly and sarcastically because well like well, I feel like I'm one of those people who probably asks the inappropriate question. Yes. So can you help me yeah. learn? Yes, like, people we all we all thing, have.
1: And the other thing they get all and still to this day, like, oh, couldn't you have your own children?
0: Oh, I don't do that.
1: And I'm like, don't I never ask that children. Question. I have the children that God has for me and I would not change a thing. Yeah. And but the things mm-hmm. that, when you're adopting, I know you've had those things and um. Yeah. yeah yeah it's irritating
2: you know yeah they um there's different categories of adoption I think the big thing is mind your business you know now if if you want to love on somebody and encourage somebody be generous give somebody money or support you know I think it's great to be educated don't put your money into something you don't understand so somebody's fundraising for an endeavor and they're saying you know oh I'm doing humanitarian work or I'm adopting I think it's appropriate to ask some questions there but just be very very careful but not everybody adopts because of a health issue or a medical issue. Um, it was the perfect thing for us to do it before we to be our oldest because we had time and energy and resources um, to do that. So yeah, big, um, definitely, you know, a big, a big fan of that. I also think, you know, when you are having hardship, whether you're a child or a teen or an adult, this is my encouragement. If you don't hear anything else, I say, do the work. You deserve to be healed and free to live into your purpose and help other people, other people be healed and free. Um, our photography business is still going strong. So I, I was a communication director for seven years. When We brought Zoe home. I resigned and I wanted to be home with her. Um, never saw myself as a stay at home mom. I didn't have one. I was a latchkey kid, but it was definitely the right thing for us to do before um, she went off to preschool. And I've built my business. I have a six figure photography business and I get to raise my two kids at home. It's incredible. I'm making way more income than I ever could in corporate marketing. No offense to corporate marketing, but um God planted those seeds in my life almost fourteen years ago because he knew that this is this is where I would be. Um and it so- started
1: in a college dorm room taking <laughs> that your husband, <laughs> husband Peter said, no one's going to buy these. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And my, and my first business consultant was my uh, accounting professor that I had dropped his class.
2: Yeah. We're all grateful. I dropped that class. It was an 8am Monday finance class. So it's like, what you should have um,
1: gone. You should have gone 8am. I tried more. Resilient. I tried.
2: I tried. Yeah. More resiliency. Well, you, you got to know when to hold them, know when to hold them. So, um, the, the, the My favorite piece in the season I am is being able to give back and be generous. So um, with our business, we've been able to launch an educational grant in India. When um, when we brought Zoe home in 2019, we walked through Homeland Security and we walked under this huge American flag. And I just heard the Lord say, who much is given, much is required. And there are some people that have said to me, don't you want to adopt like 100 kids? And I said, No. I want to help kids be educated because education is truly the key to breaking poverty. And so we have sent a couple hundred kids to school in India. We have a fund called the Macarios Fund, and we help send pastors and church planters and people that are literally, I mean, it's either rice or their kids' tuition. Um, for like uh, almost $100, you can send a child through private education and they can be fed and safe and happy. We have students that are pre-K, and college graduates. So here I am, right? I'm a drug baby. I was dyslexic. I had learning disabilities, you know, I mean, and I now have an educational grant in my name and I'm sending kids across the world to school. Like we serve a God who can redeem and you just have to keep going. Um, We just met with our um, financial advisor. I just set up college funds for my kids. I didn't have any of that. My, My grandma was educated. My great grandmother was educated. But statistically, I shouldn't own a house. I should never have graduated from college. And God has blessed us. And we have really done a lot of work. We have retirement accounts, but we have college funds because I have dreams and visions for my girls. They will, Lord willing, be more successful than I am. They're going to make a bigger difference in this world than I will. And that is the redemption that that keeps me going more than anything else. So it's,
1: I'm grateful and I'm thankful. There's two things at play, and I mean, one. And again, I go back. One is the kind of the uh, public part of it. I mean, the spiritual part of it is is everything, but the public part of it. And again, I, this is what concerns me: that we're so um, we focus on dependency without accountability. I mean, there's one thing to help people, mm-hmm. and you should the public programs. Uh, charitable programs are there. And I've worked in charitable for the, since we adopted our girls. So I understand that. But with that, there has to be some expectation and accountability. And I know as you share, um, you were a beneficiary of some of those public programs and rightfully so, because it wasn't your um, choice as to the situation you were in or your grandmother. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all of a sudden getting this child at an age she didn't expect. Um, But also, that you had people that expected, you mentioned participating with nonprofits and your grandmother who expected more. And the same that you're doing with your kids, not just giving it, but saying, here's what I expect and I'm going to hold you accountable for that. And yeah. that's what I think we're missing so much with um, doling out public funds or yeah. you know, even some charities um, that are right. you know, toxic charity that you know don't have expectations. The,
2: um, the thing about the lack of work ethic and um, the lack of motivation. I really believe that it has a direct correlation with mental health. I know, you know I mean? Like paint the picture. When I was 15 working at this restaurant, I would come home and like the lights would be off. Sometimes it was cold. Like we, it was a trailer oil heat. My grandma did the best she could, but like, it just wasn't enough. Sometimes, you know, we were food banks and all kinds of stuff. Um, But I felt really good about myself and I kept working. I had, I had tons of different jobs. I mean, even in college, I would have like two, three jobs because I knew deep down that there was nobody that was going to pay my bills. And so you hear these stories of boomerangs, um, you know, and as a parent, I said to my husband, we can really screw up our kids. We have more money and resources and connections than I ever did. So my daughter has chores. We also need to let her struggle. I mean, like you know, the Bible verse I read in Romans, perseverance makes character and character hope. If I shield Zoe from every hardship in her life, she's going to be a pretty crummy person. So I don't want to see tragedy come in, but I need to allow her to have hard times. And so, you know, now I'm 35. I'm now, I'm I'm still working through some of my childhood. Like I just had a counseling session last night, but I'm surrounding myself with women in their fifties and sixties that I admire. And I'm saying, teach me how to parent my kids to success. What do I do? Because I learned a lot from the school of hard knocks. Like I know a lot of our listeners, but, um, I don't want my kid. I don't want my children to be in poverty. I went, I worked hard, went to college, built a business so they wouldn't be poor. So we need to teach our kids how to work and make them hungry. And I think it's harder when you are in comfortable suburbia.
1: It, It really is. Um, but Um, we have lots of chores and incentives. (laughs) That's why they say uh, a lot of business owners, I've been to various uh, business things that a lot of business owners, they go to um, rags to riches to rags in three generations. And I saw one family has a very, very successful um, national business. And it was the third generation speaking, saying the problem is we didn't see, like our parents saw our grandparents struggle to build this business. We didn't see it because by the time we came around,
0: It's true. You know, our parents fail
1: at the at the
0: third generation. Right, that's very true. And they
1: said because we now that family was cognizant enough to realize what they knew and didn't know. Yeah. But the third generation, the grandkids Mm -hmm. said, I was always comfortable. My parents saw the struggle and the grit. You know, and that is you're exactly right because we do Mm -hmm. by nature want our kids to be happy. You know, we want to step in, but we have to. Sometimes the hardest thing is to step step back and say. Yeah, they got to work this out themselves. Yeah,
0: like in the in the um, world realm of we've not grown up in war or anything like that. So we've had a pretty easy life as Americans, as Americans. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we take our safety and our freedom for granted. Oh, I I totally agree with you. Yeah. And so we focus on things that really don't matter. You know, we have these what I call first world problems because we didn't have to really fight for anything and we don't have to, we don't have these hard lessons to learn from. So it, it, it applies mm-hmm. to so many different, both micro mm-hmm. and macro levels. Yeah. And
1: that's why I love I, you sharing your story, because a few weeks ago, we had a story of someone who grew up in the Soviet Union under communism. A few I'm, weeks ago. That that was that, so powerful. A couple months ago. Was I, so so times, like, it's all, you know, flows together. I mean, okay. What was it months ago? I think so. It was, yeah. but I remember that. But I mean, I, that was very, I think about that a lot because she was in another country, her grandmother was in the gulag, all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff. But you're telling this story right here in the United States, and there's still struggle mm-hmm. and so forth. And there's still things, like you said, we take for granted, even with the tr- trauma and issues that Lee had, which we don't want to diminish. You were still in a free country. And like you said, um, yeah. we don't appreciate.
0: Yeah. And this is, I this would is
1: say, story yeah. of a lot of people. Oh, she, she's telling a story. Again, I've been in nonprofit since my kids. This story happens at the places like the Salvation Army a hundred times a day. You know? um, yeah. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. Right. I would say you know I mean
2: along along your lines, there's a lot of things that you hear in pop culture like you know I want to give my here's a here's a catchphrase, I want to give my kids everything I never had, or you don't know what happened to me. That's one of the worst things I think you could ever do for a child because the reality is. What I want to give to my daughter is a work ethic and tenacity and vision for the future. And if I create one for her, she'll never have her own. Um, You know. And I've heard a phrase recently from some educators, which our school system, like if you are a public school teacher, God bless you, drink your coffee, lace your shoes, and like keep going. Um, Because there's a new phrase called snowplow parents. We're beyond helicopter. It's snowplow parents, parents that are lobbying to remove exams and tests because they anticipate that their kids will not be able to pass. I had learning disabilities. So I had accommodations and I got extra time on tests, but nobody expected me to not have to take the test. So I think we need to not cut our kids short, raise the standard. And if you are like me and you've had trauma, don't give your kids everything you never had. Work with them to earn it um, and give them the gift of resilience and tenacity because that will create a true legacy and a lasting future for them you just gave me a new term have you heard that stephanie snowplow parents no I'm i not i'm like but it makes sense i heard that from a high school my my one of my best friends is a high school spanish teacher and it has been and
1: it's been very the last four years have been really really hard that's um, like and that's so a, she's
2: the one that taught me that
0: we are
1: that's how old Stephanie's we are. he's yeah. making a comment about our age, but I'm older than you. So now I really feel. <laughs>
0: end, you but...
1: should. Okay. Thanks a
0: lot. Well, yeah. she, she's like now, that's a
1: little trauma. That's a little hurtful. I'm just trying to help build okay. you up and help you with resiliency. <laughs> Thank you for the, considering my character that I need to build on. But um, I, I think that speaks to so many parents. And again, I think the better off, the better, well, more resources you have. Exactly what you said, Lee, it gets harder. And, you know, it's, and I remember you telling us in college saying, you know, I see all these kids that have so much, I don't have it. And it's all around me, Um, you know, but again, and then they go to mom and dad whenever they need help, bailed out money and don't need to work. And uh, it's a different, but different bulk. It's not helping them. It's not helping them. Well, and I mean, and we have, we have the data, we have the data and the
2: statistics. I mean, you walk into a restaurant, you're not seeing teenagers, you are seeing empty nesters, single moms you know, veterans that are working minimum wage, dead end jobs, because when I was growing up, you know, restaurants, retail, they were run on the backs of teenagers because that's how we all entered the workforce. It's a, it's a very different generation. And so um, again, the mentorship piece, you know, I need to have a really good game plan for my kids. You know, like my redemption story is not over. They are my legacy and um, it's going to be good. And we need to be, again, very strategic, (laughs) Um, and and work really,
1: really hard. So yes. Well, thank you for having me on. I really, really appreciate your time. Well, um, I have one more thing before, else? before you go, I have one more thing that I think is important. When I speak a lot, and again, I share things. I say the one thing that uh, we went through some difficult times when we adopted our daughter. I had surgery, I mean the, the difficult year or two. Yeah. And I always say the thing that and I share that story because people like to hear other people's stories. Um, but I always say the thing that separates me than maybe people that had come to a food pantry. Are that we had a support network. So when we went through difficult times and our income went down one year, like 70%, we had people from church who, you know, brought meals. Our family helped, you know, with whatever. When I couldn't even drive a car, they helped us and all those kinds of things. So the difference is your support network. And you touched on it a couple of times, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's nonprofits, family. Can you just touch on these last two or three minutes we have with you about the importance of finding a support system? And that's a big thing. People are lacking community. And then that leads to mental health and it doesn't matter resources. Um, The suicide rates and Ivy league campuses are at record levels. Um, There's just um, dependency. I I know a coroner, he said he's signing eight to 10 um, death certificates a week due to overdose. So people are looking for this. And I think a lot of it is that one, it's a spiritual issue, but they also don't have that sense of community and belonging and mentors. So can you touch on that about people, Yeah, how you found that and how that helped you just these last two or three minutes?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my grandma, my grandma really, she modeled that for me really, really well. Um, she's always had, so she's been single my whole adult life. So she never remarried. She was married in her twenties and then, um, they got separated. Um, but she's always had women around her that were smart and stable and confident. I joke, I was raised by a pack of gypsies because I have like gobs of aunties and aunts that truly helped um, my grandma raise me. But my definition of a mentor is somebody that is ahead of you, probably 10 to 20 years, I would say is is a good window to have somebody that you can emulate and look up to. And I have mentors on practical levels, you know, like, you know, you guys just interviewed Amber and Patty Sibok, people that help me with my body, my mind, my spirit. Last night, I was, um, I had like a counseling session with my mentor. She was one of my college professors. Um, she's been through a lot of hard things. She helps me process. We go to the Bible, very practical. Um, so I, I I pull on her a little bit when I'm working with like some past trauma. So I find for me, I think it's really important to confide. I'm a woman. I want to confide in a woman to be appropriate my marriage. There are some men that give me like some really good advice, um, but we've all heard stories about how that goes sideways. So I'd be very careful. Um, but you're never going to find one person that can meet all of your problems. His name was Jesus. And (laughs) after that, we meet each other. Um, So I really like to lean on certain people for for financial advice. And then I have other people for fitness advice. And I have other people for spiritual advice. I have other people for parenting advice. I have friends that I can talk about my business with, and they have kids. I don't want to talk about their parenting because I don't like the way they parent, but they're really good business owners. So um, you know, being able to create relationships and maintain relationships is the key to being a healthy adult. And you should practice that in middle school and high school, know how to shake hands, know how to write a resume, know how to keep track of people, because there are a lot of people like the two of you. And like myself, we want to help you. We want to help pull you up and you just need to ask. Um, so I got my first job in corporate marketing. I worked for Hershey entertainment resorts. It was amazing. And I got it because I was slinging coffee in a coffee shop and the marketing director came in and my boss introduced me and I called her and I said, I want to be you someday when I grow up, how can I do that? Can I just shadow you in your office for free? I just want to come and watch. And she literally said, sure. So I shadowed and then they gave me an internship and that turned into my first job. So you have to ask for things, um, be brave, be confident counseling will give you more confidence. And when we're healed and we're not stuck in all of that trauma and shame, we will get more confidence to reach out and to make more friendships. So if you're feeling depressed, if you're lonely and isolated, get some help because that'll free you up to make friends and to build your support network as well.
1: I, um, I want to thank you for being on here. Lee, do you have any, um, just 30 seconds, anything final, or is that, that, what did you leave us with? What you want to share? That's yeah. it. Thank you for having uh, me. This
2: is, I hope I've inspired you and, um, I've kind of given myself a little faith boost.
0: It's, I think these reminders are always good. So thank you for having me. I really appreciate I it. You know, okay. I, as we were talking to her, what kept on coming to my mind is during COVID, how they really broke down relationships, how they separated people. And we saw that those, um, actions led to a complete mental health breakdown across the country, you know, it. it's really uh, interesting how much people are struggling because of, because, because of, of their, right. And now all of a sudden, I feel like, especially in the schools, they're coming and saying, oh, now we have the solution. We broke you down. We isolated you. We did everything we could, but let's give you a solution of this, this particular mental health. And that worries me when the person who created the issue is also providing the solution to the issue. Right.
1: I agree. I, I was a tad outspoken during COVID, as were you more so, oh, Stephanie. Never. But I kept saying that we were created and God created us to be lived together as with people. You know, no one went across the country and they went in wagon trains. Nobody's very few walked just said, I'm going to just start walking, you know, and we were and Lee had shared at every point and stage in her life. Um, while a lot of that difference, you know, came from her faith and inside. There were always people, whether it was her grandmother, nonprofit, people at college that got that she was there and knew enough to know I need these people and still to know these people. And I think, again, that's so, so important and something that we can't forget, especially with screens. And, you know, it's nice. I use my phone all the time. I look at stuff. I read the news on my phone.
0: But you have to engage with people. You do. And we've we've lost that, you know, when you're out to eat or I've seen oh it drives me I know what you I I have seen entire tables sitting there they're with each other but they're all on their phone they're not with each they're not with each other no and and
1: I'm I'm guilty I mean sometimes my kids even now they'll be like get off your phone because they're trying to tell me something and I'm only half listening. Um I I just want to comment you know there's more to say with this but um I love hearing I know Lee's story like I say from knowing her But she, there are a lot of people I've been, she's talked a lot about people helping her in her life. There are a lot of people I know are fabulous, successful. There's a lot of people I've known through my business network. There's no one that I respect or have learned more from than Lee. And there's no one that inspires me or propels me to do the next right thing more than Lee. So she shared a lot about people helping her. She has helped me personally, and she's helping others. And um, I just can't even um, overstate that. And I say that because we all have the capacity to help other people if we even think we don't have it. You know, she may not have thought that when she was 16. She may have thought I was helping her. She was helping me. And she still does.
0: I think it's through service that we really find our purpose. Absolutely. And that's not taken seriously enough in our culture anymore. We we tend to live in a very narcissistic culture and very self-serving at all levels. But it's when you start to serve others is when you start to really elevate not only yourself, but but other people, of course. Correct. And um,
1: we have a lot of macro problems in this world, a lot of problems within our country that we talk about on this show. Um, we talked about uh, last week with Doug Mastriano and some of the things he shared. But you know, it boils down to, we have to make the difference in our world. Lee had a really hard start in life, um, as hard as you can have. But she chose to make a difference in her world, where she was at, whether she was bussing tables in college, starting a business,
0: um, and which has led to um, helping kids in India with education. Yeah, it's truly the American dream. I mean, yes, that's what is. the Amer- she that is. she's the American dream. It's what defines us, and and what I think we are losing because a a lot of the way we view to you know our, I'm sorry I'm going to keep it together safe spaces uh, yeah okay now I, my eyes twitching yes yes yes. <laughs> yes you know I I I can't um I I can't really say enough about the idea that you have to have natural consequences you have to have those tough times safe spaces don't exist i mean they, they right. really they really don't you know show up even if you don't want to do the right thing, do it the next day. if we don't want to and keep, you know, put that on repeat, right? I mean, absolutely. And, and that's something we want to, I hope with
1: this show is balance some of the differences with, you know, people coming in and talking about our issues, which we have to talk about as a country, as in the school, whatever. But then people who are real life examples of saying, we could talk about the issues and statistics, but then to say, all right, here's someone who lived it. And I'm one of those people. I learn more from someone else and their experiences than it, I do from the textbook. Well, it puts
0: it puts your life in perspective. Oh, that's it, my favorite word. Perspective. Cause, yeah, because we we all think we have it so hard, and then we run into the next the, the next person, like, oh, maybe I maybe I didn't. End, I, yeah, I, my life isn't so bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> just, I'm gonna celebrate what I do have, and I, I think we all seriously need that. I mean, we do. We all need that because there is someone who always has it harder than we do. Yes,
1: and that is again personally. It's macro. Whether it's your company, you know, if you're employed, you say, "Oh, the company's bad. Oh, the country's bad. The school's bad." You've got to do your part. Yeah, and you got to keep doing it. And um, this show, if you noticed, has moved to a different time. We're now on at one o'clock on Saturday and Sundays. A lead into. Peter, dr peter mccullough which we were kind of jazzed about that oh right gosh yeah like he's a rock star uh talk about covid if I'm standing up <laughs> yeah it's the he is the guy he took the hits absolutely we think
0: we took the hits yes. he actually took the yeah, hits. yes so we
1: were just being snarky on facebook but yes he actually took the hits uh so we're very happy to be on at one o'clock saturday and sundays live uh as a uh before dr mccullough comes on at two o'clock and um we Uh, just hope that we can inspire and share with others, you know, that you have the courage where you're at,
0: right? As an individual, as a worker, as a student, um, wherever you are. Yes. And that's the whole point. That's the point. That's right. You don't have to be famous. You don't have to be out in front of people. You don't even have to talk to your neighbor. Nope. Or, or you should. Or maybe that was you the whole should point that is a relationship. Point. Okay. I think you just went back on what we just said. I did. But I mean, you could talk to a, a different person. So okay. Well neighbor. talk to some neighbors are not great. Right. Have yeah. you seen the news reports? I <laughs> yes, mean but, Well, talk to somebody.
1: Talk to someone. But the whole point and the whole point of this show is that wherever you are, in whatever capacity you can be you can do it, stand up, step forward and speak out.